Thank you, Abina. Um, now, I'm not going to take too much of your time up, but um, I'd just like to speak to you briefly about someone else whose life was changed by Jesus um, and then give you a chance to respond and ask Jesus to do that for you too. Um, I don't know if you were out last night at all. Lauren, my wife, and I went out for a drive, um, kind of just to see all the different costumes, because there were some absolutely amazing ones. There was a, um, a lady walking outside our flat. She had this, I don't know, it was like a wedding dress kind of thing, but then like a veil, and then this creepy guy next to her. You're like, ooh. Um, and went along. There was someone else with like very creative, colorful costume. It's amazing. And then we saw a guy in a banana suit, and you're like, oh, mate. <laughs> Bad choice, bad choice. So we're driving along, and I was like, do you know what would be really, really funny is if I played Ghostbusters really, really loud and put the windows down. So we're like, OK, 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 let's do it. So got, got it on Spotify, put it on, plugged it in, windows down. It's amazing. So we're driving past. <laughs> And we were like, OK, where should we go? Potter Row. That's where everyone is going to be. So we went Potter Row, driving past, and no one does anything. We're driving past all these people in costume, and they're like, didn't even, know, didn't even look at us. And then I was like, Lauren, these people are too young to remember Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> now that is scary, let me tell you. So it reminded me of a time a few years ago when uh, me and Lauren first started going out that we, um, well, we'd only been going out maybe two or three weeks. And so Lauren said to me, look, I've been invited to a party. Do you want to come? It's for Halloween. It's a fancy dress party. And I was like, oh, that'd be great. Really good. So went home and I was speaking to my flatmate, Roger, and I was like, OK, well, what, what shall I wear? It's quite difficult to, you know, get something good to wear for, you know, a Halloween party. So I went online and was looking and it was like, try and find a recent event and then you can copy that, and everyone thinks it's really, really cool. So I was like, oh, that's such a good idea, such a good idea. Now, I don't know if you remember, five years ago, it was just after that. Remember that South American thing with the mine? And all the people were stuck down in the mine. And then amazingly, they all got out. So it was this happy story. And I was like, oh, that's great. I'm going to go as a South American miner. <laughs> this is such a good idea. So spoke to my flatmate, Roger. And uh, we, were both, we were both junior doctors then. I was working in A&E. And he was like, Andy, I've got the best idea. What you should do is you should take some scrubs and put them on, because that looks a bit like a mining costume. And I was like, Roger, that's genius. That's amazing. So then we were like, OK, well, I don't have a miner's helmet. I'll just wear my cycle helmet. It's much the same. <laughs> so that was good. So the night came, put on my stuff, and I was like, oh, I don't have any miner's shoes. My trainers will be fine. That'll be fine. So I had my trainers on, had my scrubs, and then Roger was like, you probably need to make them a bit dirty or something, because you've just come out of a mine. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea. So I went out in the garden, just rolled around. <laughs> and so walked off to Lawrence. So there I was, standing in my blue scrubs, covered in mud, with a cycling helmet on. And that's when I re just remembered that Lauren had just graduated with a degree in costume design. <laughs> and so I opened the door, and there was Lauren looking resplendent, the, the queen of hearts. She had this amazing costume. It had this ruff around there. She had amazing makeup on. I can't remember what all the other bits were, but it was really nice. And you looked great. And, um, and it, was really, it was really good. So we went off to the party, and I was like, oh, well, at least I won't be the only person in a bad costume, surely. And then I was like, who's running this party? And she was like, oh, just friends from my course. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> but 
I want to talk about another party um, that Jesus went to. Um, so we're going to look at a bit of the Bible called Matthew. And um, no, yeah, Matthew. So Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 to 13. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So I'd like to talk to you a wee bit about this guy, Matthew. Now, he was a tax collector. So to understand this properly, you have to understand a wee bit about first century Israel. Um, so let me tell you. Now, Israel at this time was ruled by the Romans, um, and it had been taken by force. And the Romans were a really hated occupying force. Now, as, as kind of has happened throughout history, whenever people take over a land, they want, they want some money. So they set these tax collectors over. Now, the way it worked was they didn't really pay these tax collectors very much, but they just turned a blind eye whenever the tax collector would take away a bit more. So these tax collectors were utterly notorious for taking too much and lining their own pockets with what they took. So for this reason, they'd joined the enemy's side and they were corrupt as well, so they were really hated by people. They were seen as traitors and people that people wouldn't really want to hang out with. So we can see in Matthew that he was a man who not really lived a particularly moral life. Really, he was someone that had sold out to money. He'd made quite a lot of bad choices, I imagine, to get there. But we've all been there, haven't we? Been in a situation where we've done bad things, where we've thought bad things, and we've ended up in a place where we didn't want to be. Matthew, though, we know from another part of the Bible, had overheard some teaching as Jesus was walking around. Now, Matthew, as he'd heard this teaching, I imagine he was probably a bit interested. Jesus was making a bit of a scene. People were talking about him. He was an interesting kind of guy, but he hadn't been interested enough to go and find out more for himself. He just kind of just heard a wee bit about him. So something quite amazing happens for Matthew. Instead of him going to Jesus, Jesus comes to him. Jesus didn't expect Matthew to clean up his life first. He didn't expect him to get it all together before he would come to him. You see, Jesus isn't like that. Can you imagine the scene? So you're there at the beach. The palm trees are... Wait, no, I don't think there's palm trees there, but you're there at the beach, and Matthew's there sitting in his tax collector's hut. And Jesus has just finished teaching, and he's walking away, and people are like, this is amazing. And so Jesus is walking along, and then he stops, and he goes over to Matthew, he picks him out, and then he says something to him, which is quite strange. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus wasn't commanding him. He wasn't saying, you must do this, but he was inviting him. It was a personal invitation that Jesus extended to Matthew. He wanted him to be his disciple, to listen to what he said, to let Jesus rule his life from there on. So what did Matthew do? It says simply, Matthew got up and followed him. We can probably tell from this that Matthew had been quite interested in Jesus. He'd almost been waiting for Jesus to come and invite him. There was no delay. He just trusted him. Matthew at that time didn't know what God's plans for him were. 
We know from later books and later history that Matthew did a lot of remarkable things. In fact, he's probably one of the most famous people in history. He wrote a book of the Bible, which we just read from. And even if you're not an author, getting a book in the most popular book ever written is pretty good, isn't it? He preached to many people about how good Jesus has been to him. And now, as I say, he's world famous. He's got buildings named after him, institutions. Maybe even you are named after this man. God has a story for you too. Up to this point, you might have been writing your own story. Going the way you want, seeing the twists and the plots and thinking, no, I know, I know what to do now. I know how to get there. I've got, I can see the end. This is where I want to be and I'm just going to follow and get there. Jesus is inviting you to start a new story with him today. Some religious people make it very, very complex to follow Jesus. They say, oh, well, you've got to, you know, make sure you obey all these commands and you've got to do all this good stuff and you've got to make sure that your life is really great and then Jesus will accept you. But Jesus himself didn't do that. It was just a loving invitation. Follow me and be my disciple. We're going to have a chance to do this quite soon. Matthew then invites Jesus back to his house for dinner and has his friends around too. Now, the kind of, if you imagine you're Matthew, everyone hates you. Decent people don't want to hang out with you. Who are your friends going to be? As it says there, they were disreputable sinners and other tax collectors. So other tax collectors, you're a hated group of people, you hang out together, a bit like South African referees. You know, they probably have to stick together quite closely at the moment. <laughs> and then there was other people as well, disreputable sinners, I'll let you read into that what you like, but people that weren't accepted by society, people who actually were, were rejected and were just wrong. Now, these, these people had made many mistakes. They might have been ashamed of their past and their present. And it may be that they had realized that they couldn't keep on living the same way. They'd said, actually, I don't really want to be a tax collector anymore. This is, this is wrong, but... I'm kind of stuck, actually, and I need the income, I need this money, I need to support my family. Maybe there was other sin that they'd been caught in, maybe there was other life choices they made and they couldn't get out. Jesus had an invitation for them. He was saying, even though you don't know the way out, I actually do. Jesus really loved hanging out with people who weren't Christians, who weren't, who weren't religious, who weren't, who weren't people that got everything all together. This is what Jesus is like. He doesn't, he doesn't actually like people just because they're good, which is quite an interesting thought, isn't it? We kind of think about things we've learned in school, and it's like, oh, well, Jesus did this, and he was really good, so you must be good too. And then we, you know, there's these kind of songs that we sing as children, and they just make it sound like Jesus likes good boys and girls. And it's almost like a way of making us behave. But Jesus isn't like that. Jesus is real. Jesus likes to come to people who have messed up. And actually, that's, that's my story as well. You know, from the outside, I probably looked like I had everything together as a teenager, but I knew inside in my heart there was something really quite black inside me. I had made loads and loads of mistakes, and although most of it was hidden, some of it was starting to show. I remember one time... Um, I'd been treated quite badly by a boss I'd had, and I was at a party, and she was there, and I, I got drunk, and I swore at her to her face. And looking back now, I'm just like, how could I do that? But actually, 
that's who I was without Jesus. When Jesus wasn't in control of my life, I was starting to mess it up. And I was like, no, no, I know what to do. I know what to do. I can do this. I can do this. But actually, I was starting to mess it up. I did what I thought would make me happy. You know, we often do that, don't we? We're kind of like, I think what will make me happy is following this way, is doing this sort of thing. And we go down it for a while. And actually, initially, it does make you quite happy. But for me, I found that eventually it became a snare and a trap. I look at the mistakes I've made, and I used to feel so much shame then, but I didn't seem to be able to stop. And that's when Jesus came to me. (laughs) You see, this is God's love. He comes to people who don't deserve it. He loves even when we've given up on ourselves. And he's still like this today. And this is good news for you. It's good news if you feel that you're not good enough. If you feel that you're too far away from God. If you feel that you've made too many mistakes. If you're not strong enough. God's love is powerful and strong. He is calling you today. He's asking you to receive his love. We see how some people respond to people that are in trouble, whether these religious people. It says, they came up to Jesus and they said, why does your teacher eat with such scum? They were saying on the outside, but I can imagine if you're one of the tax collectors there, you might have been saying, actually, you know what? You don't know the half of it. You see the outside of me. You see kind of the obvious things I've done wrong, but actually there's other things I've done which no one really knows about. And you calling me this horrible word, scum, horrible. But actually inside, I can, I can sometimes feel like that. They thought Jesus was being tainted by being with people who didn't have it all together. These people, the religious people, thought that they had it all together. They thought their life was perfect. They thought they'd done everything right. But actually, it was falling apart. They thought they were right. They thought they were good. But actually... When this came to other people who were hurting, who were, who were messed up as well, they, they couldn't see it, and they called them horrible things. They wanted Jesus to stay away, to only be with good people, and set an example to tell people to live up to it. The truth is, these people didn't know Jesus at all. Jesus came straight back to them. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Jesus doesn't see himself as someone to come and moralize and tell you off and tell you what you've done wrong, but actually he shows himself as someone who wants to help people who are trapped and who are lost and who are unwell. As I said, I'm a doctor, I'm now a GP, and there was a time a few months ago when this lady came to see me, and um, she came in the door and sat down, and I was like, oh, hi, nice to meet you, Um, what can I do for you? And she said, well, I've actually had this letter from one of your colleagues, and I'm really, really worried about it. It says... I need to make an urgent appointment to discuss my blood test results. And I was like, all right, okay, well, why, why are we having a blood test done? And she said, oh, it was just, just a routine health check. You know, I, wasn't, I, feel, I feel fine. And so I looked up, and I didn't know the lady. Um, she just came to me because I was the first person that had an appointment. So um, I looked through, and I was like, I'm dreadfully sorry. Actually, your bloods are entirely normal. I think there's been a mistake. You shouldn't have been sent that letter, actually. Everything's fine. And the lady was like, I beg your pardon? I was like, yeah, no, you're, you're fine. You're healthy. And she was like, all right, okay, so, so did you not want to see me then? I'm like, well, no. And then I was like, is there anything else I can help you with? And she was like, no, I feel fine. Thing is, when there's no sick people, there's nothing for a doctor to do. 
Whenever Jesus comes to people, if you haven't mucked up, if you haven't done anything wrong, if you haven't made a mess, it's probably nothing for him to do. But actually, we're all in the same boat. We've all made a mistake. We've all messed up our lives. And that's what Jesus is saying to us today. He wants to come to us. He wants to help you. Jesus doesn't see you as a failure, but as someone he can help. Jesus came for people who didn't have it all together. He came for people like you. So if you're like this, if you're saying this morning, actually, you know, my life's not, not sorted. I actually need help. I need Jesus to come and help me. I've made so many mistakes. There's a personal call from Jesus today. Follow me and be my disciple. So we're going to have an opportunity for you to do this just now. So what I'd like you all to do, please, is just close your eyes and bow your head. And we're going to give people just some privacy at the moment. Because what I'm asking you to do is, is a big decision. But like Shar, you just have to take the step and trust Jesus. Many of you here have been getting to know Jesus, but have held back from following him. But I'm saying to you now that Jesus knows you completely. <laughs> he knows everything you've done, everything. He knows everything good you've done as well. He loves you. He loves you so much. Some of you have maybe responded to Jesus in the past, but you've gone far away from him. And he's speaking to you this morning as well. Come back. Follow me. Be my disciple. And so I'm coming to you and speaking the very words of Jesus to you today. <laughs> I know you completely. I want to help. I'm calling you today. Follow me and be my disciple. And so we're going to have an opportunity now to respond to what Jesus is saying. I'm going to count to three. And then when I get to three, I would like you to raise your hand up nice and high and respond to what Jesus is saying. One, Jesus loves you. <laughs> he loves you so much. Two, Jesus is on your side. He wants to rescue you. He wants to start a new chapter in your life. Three, please respond just now. Lift up your hand. Why don't you lift up your hand just now? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just a few seconds more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. That's great. You may put your hands down now. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Thank you very much, everybody. Um, that's Maureen to come up now. And Maureen's a member of the church here, and Amal at the back as well. And for everyone that responded today, we'd just like to say thank you so much. And we'd like to give you a gift. We have here these beautiful Bibles, which are especially for new believers. And we'd love to give you one today. So what I'd like you to do is just at the end of the service, I'd like you to come up and speak to either Maureen or Amal at the back. And we'd love to just give you one of these Bibles to say thank you very much. <laughs>